Trigger Warning. The following episode contains references to Human suffering Mental conditions Death Factual inaccuracies Several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. Mercury, patron god of depression and drool. I'm Kelly. For some kids, we're very ill. I'm Adam. Can you do that one more time? <laughs> Sorry, we lost you. Damn it. Why does this keep happening? We just really like hearing you deliver your lines over and over again. Ugh. I'm starting to think those Capri Sun kids were very ill. I think it cut out again, Adam. Did it cut out again? Yeah, but we got the the second half on the first one and the first half on the second one. So it's fine. It's fine. My intro will just be a patchwork. (laughs) I hope Andy's cuts out three times while he says it. (laughs) I I have one. I mean, in a choice between PP hat (laughs) picking, it cut out. Yeah, take that. Why? (laughs) What is happening? I don't know. Okay. I mean, look, in a choice between PP hat and T-1000 hat, I know what I'm picking. I'm Andy. Yeah, that worked. Oh man, we should cook up some more of that awesome skull bread. I'm Sean, and this is Acid Pop. Hello everyone, and welcome back. This week, we're going to be talking about Mercury. Oh, I love planets. Yep. I love gods. (laughs) Well, you're both in luck. So Mercury was a Roman god, and he was a busy one. He was the god of financial gain, commerce, messages, communication, divination, travelers, boundaries, luck, trickery, and thieves. Whoa, whoa, it's slow down. It's of Hermes, correct? Yeah, yeah. He also was a guide of souls to the underworld. The periodic symbol for Mercury is HG, which comes from the Latin hydrogerium, which comes from Greek Hydrogyros, hydro is water, and argyros is silver. So Mercury is literally called silver water in Greek. Accurate. Mm-hmm. So the uh, symbol is from the Greek, but the god is the Roman. Right. <laughs> I couldn't find a phobia of Mercury, probably because it's not an unreasonable fear to be afraid of it. So yeah, uh, I don't have much science. We'll get into more science as we go, but uh, yeah, it's an element. It's number 80 in the periodic table, in case you want to look it Maybe up. You've heard of it. What's its atomic weight? <laughs> I didn't bother. So true or false, mercury is the only element that is liquid at room temperature. False. <laughs> Did you say only element? element? Yeah. No. Which would be a, a single thing. No. No way. I'm trying to think of another one. I mean, I know there's lots of them on that dang thing. <laughs> yeah, but they're gases and metals. Some uh-huh. of them are noble. Yeah. Um, I think th- I'm going to say true. Uh, this is false, but it is a very short list. It's actually just mercury and bromine are the only two elements that are liquid at room temperature. Over here hanging out with my bromine. <laughs> <laughs> The true or false, though liquid at room temperature, mercury is still an excellent conductor of heat and electricity like other metals. True. 
We just don't use it because it'd be slosh around in our computers. <laughs> I feel like because it's a liquid, it probably wouldn't be. Like, maybe electricity, but, like, liquids tend to, like, move around when they heat up and, like, dissipate that They do stuff, use it in thermometers. Yeah, see, when you put it in a thermometer, it tries to get away from the heat. <laughs> yeah, true. Why not? Uh, false. It uh, is actually <laughs> pretty bad at those things as far as metals go. Should have tried harder. <laughs> it still does a little bit, but yeah, not nothing on the other metals. So mercury can be absorbed through the skin. True. I think so, yeah. True. This is true. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) It it can get into your body through your skin and your digestive tract, but it's most dangerous when inhaled. Oh, good. (laughs) When does that come up? Well, we'll get into it. We'll just boil in the mercury. (laughs) So basically, don't interact with it. Yeah. Yeah. Boiled mercury doesn't make like a silver cloud. The true or false, mercury stays in your body forever. <laughs> like gum. True. Yeah. It's like LSD. You could be running around and have a bad mercury trip. <laughs> Slosh, then you list over to one side because you're so heavy. Oh, certainly I could like, you know, cut open my arm and put a magnet to it. To get all that mercury <laughs> yeah. out of there. That's how you get all the iron out of your blood, too. Yeah. That's what Magneto taught me. <laughs> I mean, I know that the fear with mercury is sort of that it builds up over time, so the more you consume, like it, it's cumulative, so that seems like it would be true. Mm. Mm. I think I think it would go away eventually, just slowly. Yeah, Adam's got it. This is false. Your body does get rid of mercury just very slowly. Depending on the type of mercury and the dose, it can take from weeks to years to clear it out. So we're on to our fill-in-the-blank how much mercury does it take to kill you? Tablespoon? <laughs> like, are we talking like weight of it to drop on top of me? <laughs> That's one way. We, we, want, we want the smallest weight, though. Are we? So we're probably breathing it then, since you said that was the most dangerous. Could be. Mm, I'm going to say it. I don't know. You probably don't have your measurements in tablespoons. <laughs> yeah, are we looking what? for ounces? Pounds? What, what was yours, Adam? One gram. One gram. Okay. Whatever you got. I'm out. Okay. Well, I think you all went over. Really? There are different forms of mercury, but probably the most deadly is dimethylmercury, which is a pair of one carbon and three hydrogens bonded to a mercury. It's got dye in the name. Yeah, (laughs) it does. So exposure of less than 0.1 milliliters or 0.003 ounces can be fatal. We know this is true because Professor Karen Waterhan, she was a chemistry professor who specialized in toxic metal exposure. (laughs) On August 14th, 1996, she was performing an experiment that involved small amounts of dimethylmercury, and during it, a couple of drops ran across her gloved hand. Jeez. A few months later, she had abdominal pain and weight loss. Within five months, she was unsteady on her feet and had slurred speech. At this point, it was clear that she had mercury poisoning and began treatment, but it wasn't enough, and she died 10 months after exposure. Heck. Experiments following her death showed that the dimethylmercury is more than capable of permeating plastic rubber and skin. (sighs) So literally a drop of mercury ran across her gloved hand and she died. That's so crazy. Like... What does it do to you that makes it that deadly? <laughs> it's it. Well, we'll get into it, but mostly it just like accumulates in your nerves. Oh, God. Yeah, that shouldn't go there. <laughs> so when did the U.S. ban mercury as a paint ingredient? 
1987. <laughs> the 60s. I'm just hoping they have. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on it. Uh, 1972. Well, Andy was the closest without going oh, over. No. It was 1990. No, <laughs> I'm telling you, we're really bad at this. It's like this asbestos stuff is killing people. Should we stop using it? Oh, but it's so dang good. Well, maybe someday. <laughs> so, how far back have we found that mercury was used? Oh, I, I feel like Egypt and shit. Yeah, like if mm-hmm. I found out that there was like a liquid silver, I'd be using that stuff day one. <laughs> yeah, just jumping into pools of it. <laughs> I, I feel like I've heard a bunch of stuff where it's just like, yeah, and they, they use mercury for it because it looked shiny and, you know, it yeah, was weird. It's like the coolest stuff. So I'm yeah. going to go uh, ancient Egypt. So it's like yeah. 2000 BCE? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say BC. Uh, we'll say 1000 BC. I'm going to go with zero. Hmm. Jesus was the first person to use mercury. <laughs> what is this? His body turned into mercury. <laughs> It was really wild. They hammered him to the cross and they T-1000 right off it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'll see you in three days. Man, I got to read the Bible. <laughs> I, I got the version where he opened it up. It goes, chunk, 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 chunk. <laughs> So in certain forms, mercury can make a red dye, which has been found in Neolithic sites as far back as 8000 BCE. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> So we've been killing ourselves with mercury for a good long time. I mean, I know it's deadly and I want to play with mercury. Yeah. <laughs> it's very pretty. It's pretty cool. You know what's also really crazy about it is that it has a really high surface tension. So like surprisingly large amounts of it still form into balls. Huh. Which is cool. And they just like roll around. Does that mean you can find mercury like out in the wild? Uh, You can. Can it's pretty like, rare. Did they get it back then. Yeah, I'll I'll get into that a little bit. Okay. So we're on to our terms. What is erethism? Uh, that's when you become one of the most famous singing divas. <laughs> and you all you want is R E S P E C T. Erethism. E R E. Erethism. Erethism. It's mercury poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be my answer for all of the next four questions. No. You praise a, a shining silver god. <laughs> oh, I, I'm an arethist. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the first term used for mercury poisoning. Hey! Yay. It seems to be from Greek, so we've known about it being dangerous for a good long while. <laughs> but we didn't listen. Yep. So what is Cinnabar? It's an island in Pokemon? Yeah. <laughs> You have to teach your Pokemon Surf to get out there. But I'm going to say it's it's like red marks that appear when you've been mercury poisoned. Mm. I've, heard, I've definitely heard the word. I think it's like a red powder or a dye or something. Mm. That's a cinnamon flavored mercury. Oh, delicious. <laughs> oh, the most deadly. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the most common form of mercury. It's mercury and sulfur bonded together, and it forms into red crystals that can be ground up to be a red powder, and it's used to make super red paints and pottery. Nailed it. Yep. Yeah, ever since they banned the, that, that ingredient, we've only had kind of red paints and pottery. <laughs> <laughs> so what was a tabernacle? It's a Mormon That's, choir? Yeah, it's a, it's a boys' choir. <sighs> it's a, I've, I've always thought the, the word sounds... It's, it's a big goof-up. This one involves mercury. Oh, I done, I done tabernacled the mercury all over the place. <laughs> tabernacle, 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 tabernacle. 
You're right. It is the sound a train makes. <laughs> it's it's a scientist who studied mercury, <laughs> Mister Tabernacle of the Cincinnati Tabernacles. <laughs> well, this may be one of the worst ideas ever. In the 1500s, it was thought that mercury could cure syphilis. One of the ways they administered it was to have a box with a hole in the top and the bottom. You would climb into the box and it was closed so that the top hole was around your neck, leaving your head as the only part out of the box. Then a pan of mercury was put over a fire beneath the lower hole and the box would fill with mercury vapor, curing your syphilis. I need a nice mercury steam. (laughs) I mean, you wouldn't die of syphilis then. It's true. Yeah. Kills the syphilis and everything else. And you walk out of that thing looking like Colossus. (laughs) (laughs) So what is chelation? Chelation. Someone from Chile? (laughs) Them's them peoples that got caught in the mine. (laughs) Chelation is when your entire country or nation, as it were, becomes so cool that everybody just chills. (laughs) I think that it's a, it's a, process when you bind like a mineral or something to an amino acid Ooh, adam sounding sciencey maybe so this is a chemical therapy where calcium disodium is ingested to bond with heavy metals like mercury or lead to get them out of your body it's used in extreme cases of mercury poisoning hmm. how does one get extreme mercury poisoning that's just <laughs> you have a drop or two fall on your glove while you're doing an experiment apparently <laughs> and that concludes our acid pop quiz extreme mercury poisoning <laughs> so let's talk about the horrible history of mercury mercury comes in all kinds of different forms and almost every one of them is at least a little bit deadly we mentioned cinnabar and what good red paint it makes and how it's been found in neolithic villages back as far as 8000 BCE in Turkey. Something about the color red just captivates people. It's been found in Rome, China, India, Africa, and all throughout the Americas. Now I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. It pretty much seems that every civilization that found it immediately started to use it. Now, cinnabar as a paint probably wasn't too dangerous. Ancient folks were probably still more likely to die from gangrene or malnutrition, but... Saber-toothed tiger. (laughs) (laughs) But sometime in a few hundred BCE, several civilizations figured out how to get pure mercury out of cinnabar. You just squeeze it real hard. (laughs) I really tried to learn how the hell they figured this out, but I just couldn't find a clear answer. But should you be curious about how to do it yourself, here's what you do. You take cinnabar, you heat it up to around 673 degrees Fahrenheit or 357 degrees Celsius. That's pretty hot, but most fires burn hotter than that. This will evaporate the mercury out of the cinnabar. Then just capture and cool and bam, liquid metal. Boom. Yeah, now you have a cloud of death. Now what? (laughs) And thus began a 2,000 year love affair with one of the coolest looking elements on the planet. So here's an incomplete list of things mercury was used to treat. Aging, syphilis, erectile dysfunction, yellow fever, Mm -hmm. parasites, mental illnesses, headaches, used as a contraceptive, and a cure for colic. (laughs) Colic? Yep. You know, baby crying. Baby cry, put in in metal. (laughs) (laughs) That'll work. Unfortunately, for countless people throughout history, what you actually get from ingesting mercury is irritability, low self-confidence, depression, apathy, memory loss, delirium, personality changes, and finally, death. 
when did I ingest mercury? <laughs> and that's just such a terrible list of like side effects from mercury. It's not like it's not like other things where you get like a rash or boils or something. It's all these weird mental things. Yeah, so. it makes you go crazy, become uh, an insomniac, and start seeing things, and then die. Yeah. Oh, that definitely sounded like a list from an antidepressant ad. Yeah. <laughs> Ask your doctor if Mercury is right for you. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so probably the first really famous person to die from Mercury was Qin Shi Huang of China. Born in 259 BCE, he was crowned king of his region at 13 and for the next 25 years brought a very rough and rowdy China to heal. At age 38, he proclaimed himself emperor of China, thus making him the first emperor of China as a whole. Hey, you could just do that? I guess. Not bad for starting young. (laughs) As he got older, he was really worried about a guy as cool as him just up and dying like some sort of mortal peon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he became obsessed with finding the secret to immortality. He Good had plan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he had an armada of ships combing the ocean for a legendary mountain called Peng Lei, which was apparently populated by immortals. He sent lots of people to find An Qi Shang, a 1,000-year-old wizard with the secret to eternal life. This is starting to sound like FDR's keep people working projects. <laughs> <laughs> I'll create jobs. <laughs> Well, the thing is, the people he sent out never came back. Uh, he thought it was because Ang Shang magicked them to death, but scholars believe that the people were too afraid to come back and let him know that they couldn't find him. No, they, or, they found the island where they could live forever, yeah. so they didn't come back. Yeah. They, they, got, they got their immortality. They were like, screw the emperor. <laughs> I'm emperor now. No, you are not. To help string his life along until the mountain or wizard were found, he had his <laughs> alchemists make him pills of crushed jade and mercury, which he Ooh. downed on the regular. Only the prettiest medicines for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to have the coolest craps. <laughs> I'm pretty jealous. He died at age 49, so it turns out mercury can't make you immortal. In fact, it uh. makes you more mortal. <laughs> <laughs> Still, Kin loved himself some Mercury in his tomb, which I honestly don't know why he built if he was so set on being an immortal, but he had a tiny model of his country made, and the hundreds of rivers were made with Mercury. Whoa. That's awesome. That's so cool. I want to see that. Well, here's the thing. Andy, think about it. He's tasted Mercury. We'll never get to taste that. <laughs> I mean, let's just go find an old thermometer and go crazy. <laughs> That sounds awful. Yep. Well, the thing is, the tomb has still not been opened to this day because the air inside is so toxic. (laughs) That's one way to keep your tomb safe. For a second, I was thinking, well, why don't don't they just put on like a nice suit? We've already established. (laughs) It permeates rubber. (laughs) Yeah, basically every couple decades, they stick a probe down in there to take some samples. They're like, yep, we still can't open that thing. Are there pictures in there? Nope. What? Yep. How do they know there's rivers of mercury? Uh, probably probably described it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could tell people there's anything I want inside my tomb. <laughs> well, the tests have shown that there is mercury in there. Really big rivers of it. Yep. I really want to see that. Well, then get a cool drone and fly it in there. Why haven't they done that and shown me pictures? So I don't know if the Chinese ever figured out how deadly mercury was, but the Romans sure as hell did. They loved the red of cinnabar, and they set up mines to dig up as much as they could. These mines were basically slave torture centers. Slaves, prisoners, and other ne'er-do-wells were sent to work in the mines, and the wardens couldn't help but notice how swiftly they died and how crazy they went before they did. (laughs) But strangely, they must have thought that as soon as it was out of the ground, it was totally okay. (laughs) Hippocrates and Galen were all about mercury and how it could help balance the humors. 
Oh, and uh, yeah, I should mention Mayan temples from roughly the same time have been found with pools of mercury in them. I don't know if they ever tried to use it for anything, but they sure thought it looked cool. Taking a bath. They're not wrong. Awesome. Yeah. If you were like an ancient person and there was just this pool of liquid metal. (laughs) Yeah, I, I might consider that person a god. And man, like to me, one of the craziest things about it is you can throw like anything in there and it floats like rocks, stone bar, yeah. like bars of metal, anything. Just witches. <laughs> yeah, it sure seemed like every time we figured out how mercury was super bad, someone would figure out some new cool thing it could do. Around 1000 BCE, people figured out that if you ran mercury over gold ore, the mercury would pull the gold out to form an amalgam. Then what? you heated it up and the mercury boiled off, leaving the gold behind. Filling the air with boiled mercury. <laughs> yep. So you could then <laughs> condense the mercury and do it all again. That is, you could condense any mercury you hadn't inhaled. <laughs> you just got to cough it up. Get it, get on out of there. Yeah. It does the same thing with silver. Uh, and this process of precious metal extraction continued all the way up until now, actually. People still do this. <laughs> Good. It's so useful, though. <laughs> So it's kind of died off in the last 50 years or so, but from the early 1900s or so back, people freaking loved hats. (laughs) Big ones, small ones, heavy ones, and one so tall that you couldn't get through doors. It was all about the hats. I like a good hat. Yeah. (laughs) Cat, you want to be on the podcast? Cat hat? (laughs) So if you were a hatter in the 1600s, you could felt hats in three ways. The worst way was to soak the fur of your animal of choice in your own pee. Mm-hmm. Pee hat. Got it. <laughs> that worked for felting and poorly for hat scent. <laughs> the next best way was to soak the fur in camel pee. Better felt, but worse smell. <laughs> Getting closer. Far and away, the best way was to soak the fur in mercury. This involved rubbing the fur with a mercuric nitrate, soaking it in water, and then boiling the water and the mercury off to shrink the fur. Hats smelled delicious. (laughs) So best felting and least stinky hats all around. Well, yeah, the alternative is pee hat and pee hat. (laughs) Puts mercury straight to your brain. Yeah, the trouble was milliners tended to work in unventilated basements, so the mercury vapor had nowhere to go but into the hatters. This ensured that all the best milliners went crazy, which gave us the phrase mad as a hatter. Sure. Nice. This phrase may have existed as early as the 1700s, but mercury was not banned in the making of hats in America until 1941. Hats were deemed too important. (laughs) Yep. So you're a young man with dreams (laughs) and you want to go into a career. You want to apprentice to someone. And it's so well known that hatters go mad (laughs) that it's a saying. Why do you go out to your local hat shop and say, yes, I want to work with you? No, they're not smart like me. <laughs> Women go crazy for haberdashers. <laughs> or is it the other way around? But yeah, so they banned the mercury felting of hats in 1941, and hat culture started to decline in the 1950s. Coincidence? I think not. Mm. I, like, I like the phrase, hat culture. <laughs> It makes me it makes me imagine a bunch of people just sitting around. He's like a servant comes in with a platter of hats Ooh. and you're like, mm, yes. <laughs> hat parties. <laughs> the the more we talk about mercury, the more upset I am that there's not like one cool mercury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mercury, be cool. No, that's well, I guess that's per- the problem. It's too cool. Yeah. But there's not one that you can just bring home to meet your parents. <laughs> mercury is the the one you date but not the one you marry. And the bad boy heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> 
So in the 1500s, Paracelsus was all about the humors, and he felt that when something was wrong, your body had to gush fluids until whatever was causing the problem squirted out. It's called crying. I love Paracelsus. That guy's a jack. (laughs) (laughs) For these reasons, he loved calomel, which was a mercury chloride. Oh, it's not a mercury caramel. (laughs) Well, he loved it because it caused people to salivate and poop almost uncontrollably. (laughs) (laughs) A weird combination. (laughs) In his mind, the treatment was working when you got three pints of saliva out of someone. <laughs> so who, who who here thinks they could fill yeah. eight cans of soda with spit? That would take a while. <laughs> so calomel was another thing that was reported to cure well everything. Dry mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the person who may be Calamel's most devoted evangelist was Benjamin Rush. Now, if you averaged out this guy's life, he was probably a net good. He was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, was anti-slavery, advocated for women's education, and was against the death penalty. Okay. Yeah. But when it came to medicine, he had two techniques, (laughs) bloodletting and mercury consumption. That's what's the style yeah, of the time. We, we cut you open, let some blood out, and let some mercury yeah. in. Sometimes one, but usually both. He kept fastidious notes, but apparently didn't review them very much. <laughs> Patient died. <laughs> yeah. It's bad science. During an outbreak of yellow fever in 1793, Rush's patients were treated with bloodletting and around 10 times the normal dose of calomel. Now, the fatality rate of yellow fever was about 33% at the time, but centuries later, when Rush's documents were reviewed, it was found that his patients had a mortality rate of 46%. See, he's improving on the average. (laughs) So that, kids, is what we call a confirmation bias. So Rush was not some sort of snake oil salesman. He genuinely believed that calomel made everything better. He believed it so fervently that he patented pills that contained calomel and could be sold very cheaply so that anyone could afford to buy them. At least he's trying to, he's like, this is the best medicine ever. The poor must have it as (laughs) well. (laughs) I don't want dying of mercury poisoning to just be for the rich and the hat makers. (laughs) Those damn rich hat makers. So Dr. Rush's bilious pills were extremely effective laxatives, so much so that they were nicknamed thunderclappers. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So these moved like Quicksilver and were one of the staples that Lewis and Clark took with them to find the Atlantic. I mean, when are they going to need a shit pill? Well, the thought was that since they would be eating all kinds of unknown plants, if anything was really bad, they'd pop Mm. some pills and whoosh, out it would come. Okay. This worked, and deposits of the two's stool found today, don't ask me why people were looking for them, have been found to contain mercury. This is a very weird Hansel and Gretel trail. (laughs) (laughs) So in the 1800s and well into the 1900s, if you had a baby who was fussing because of teething problems, you could buy an assortment of teething powders. Just rub some powder on the baby's gums and the pain is magically gone. It's called cocaine. Yeah. (laughs) Advertisements claim that the powders would make your baby fat as a pig they'd eat so much. (laughs) That's good, right? Yeah, I guess. Everyone loves a chubby baby. (laughs) (laughs) Trouble was, the main ingredient in teething powders was calomel. In a strange coincidence, a disease was popping up called infantile acrodynia, or Pink's disease. It seemed to mostly affect babies and toddlers, and it was more than a little miserable. Symptoms of Pink's disease were irritability, photophobia, 
ataxia, which is loss of coordination, digestive problems leading to weight loss, anemia, lethargy, slurring of speech, loosening of teeth, swollen swollen extremities, extreme misery, and red (laughs) raw hands and feet, which is why they call it pink's disease. So case studies showed that the mortality rate of pink's disease was 10 to 33%. So people were trying really hard to figure out what was going on, all the while smearing mercury on their baby's gum. (laughs) It wasn't until 1945 that a study pinned the source as calomel. Looking back, it was estimated that one in 500 kids who were given teething powders developed Pink's disease, which at best would mean that the parents who gave calomel to their kids had a 1 in 50,000 chance of killing them and a 1 in 1,500 chance at worst. In the U.S., calomel was removed from teething powders by 1954. Oh, it took a few years. So, yeah, mercury pretty much sucks. But like a lot of things that we desperately tried to find a use for for millennia. We found a lot of uses well, for it. We did find some cool things that it does, and it's still used today. Until very recently, it was combined with silver to make a good teeth filling. <laughs> That's perfectly safe. But as we discussed, if you heat it up, the first thing to happen is all that mercury will evaporate off. Oh, no. That's what happened to a family in Rhode Island when a man cooked up some teeth to extract the silver fillings and ended up Ah. filling his apartment with mercury gas. He put himself, his wife, and their teen daughter in the hospital and killed their dog and two cats. I've never heard the phrase, heated up some teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Big old pot of teeth. (laughs) Boil up some choppers. The building they lived in is likely to be condemned as a result of his creepy ploy to make a few bucks. <laughs> where did he where did he get the teeth? That's a good uh. question. So mercury gas can be used to make fluorescent lamps. These lamps have a narrow frequency range and can therefore be used for calibration of sensitive optical equipment. That's great, but can make for a dangerous work environment. Or worse, can make for a very dangerous building demolition if you're taking down a factory that made these lamps. Oh no! That's what happened in 2015 when just such a factory was being demolished and they failed to tell the workers exactly what the factory made. As a result, 18 of the 21 workers exhibited acute mercury toxicity. Of those 18, 10 were still experiencing problems a year and a half later, and seven of those were receiving psychiatric treatment for insomnia, anxiety, and depression. I'm not saying anything just because I'm shocked. (laughs) That just seems so incredibly negligent. Yeah. What did they make here? I don't know, dynamite or something? Knock it down. (laughs) (laughs) But the worst story I could find comes from Iraq in 1971. Basically, what happened was there was a bad drought in 1969, and lots of people were starving as a result. Our old buddy Saddam Hussein came up with a great idea and ordered a bunch of wheat grain from U.S. and Mexico to bolster crops. To save time and money, the grain was fumigated with methylmercury, despite the Uh, fact that in the last 15 years, there were three large-scale incidents of mercury poisoning in Iraq. So if you plant these seeds, the tiny amount of mercury on each doesn't significantly impact the wheat that grows from them. If you eat the seeds, though, they are very, very poisonous. Hmm. This time, though, things were going to be different. Step one, get the 100,000 tons of wheat seeds to Iraq before the winter planting season. There were some delays, so it arrived a few weeks after it was possible to plant the seeds. Okay. 
That's okay, <laughs> because step two was to clearly label the bags of seeds with big red text warning them that the seeds were poisonous. For good, Our job here is done. <laughs> for good measure, they put a big skull and crossbones on every bag. <laughs> These are pirate wheat. <laughs> Well, the thing is, the warnings were written in English and Spanish, which hardly anyone in Iraq spoke. And while a skull and crossbones is a clear sign of danger to Americans and pirates, to the Iraqis, it was just a cool logo. I guess they were trying to, I mean, they did more than one language. That's a start. Why Spanish? Well, they came from Mexico. Okay. (laughs) But still, come on, guys. It just says no on it. Yeah. No worries, though, because step three was to make every farmer that received seeds sign a document stating that they knew the seeds were poisonous and promised not to eat them. This was also, also in English, English and Spanish. And Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> but when it came to actually making the farmers go through with all that paperwork, most government agents just assumed they had the idea and gave the seeds out. Seeds bad. So every gatekeeping method failed. The seeds couldn't be planted, so they were ground up to make flour and baked into bread. Mm, Which makes it even more deadly. They were fed to livestock so that the animals could be eaten. And many, many people died. The seeds were distributed in October and November. In December, people started showing up at hospitals. By January, there were hundreds of people arriving every day. Official reports put the number of people affected at about 6,500, with 450 of those dying. But many people believe that those numbers are greatly underestimated and may be 10 times higher. So if you kill all your people, you don't have to feed them all. That's true. Parkinson's disease is one of the long-term side effects of mercury poisoning, and likely as a result of this incident, Iraq has the highest incident of Parkinson's in the world, even 40 years later. And that was the last of the stories that I had. See, my, my favorite personal story is I remember on, on the radio going uh, going home one day with my parents and they had to have cleared out one of the high schools because it still had mercury thermometers and one kid went around breaking all of them. Oh, good. So they evacuated the high school. Immediately, both my parents were like, ah, that's a bunch of bull crap. Those kids just wanted the day off. <laughs> when, I, when we were kids, we'd just break those into our hands and play with the mercury. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> when you were kids, death rates were a lot higher. Yeah, this might be a manufactured memory, but I thought that when I was really little, like four or five, my mom had a mercury thermometer and it broke and my mom cleaned it up. And I just remember thinking that it looked really cool at the time, mm-hmm. but that might not have actually happened. I don't see when I went to a chemistry class in uh, in college, they, the, the, the professor had like a little jar of mercury that he was passing around so people could feel how heavy it was. Oh, yeah. Huh. And it was very heavy yeah. for like this small jar. <laughs> So jealous of all these people who got to play with mercury. <laughs> I mean, we can go find some. <laughs> Can't find a big pool of it. Just like you can find those red crystals and do all the stuff and heat it up in my house. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm gonna die before I get to distill it. That takes a few years. You're gonna be very sad in the interim. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nobody has any more personal stories, we'll move on to what are your morals worth. I'm afraid I didn't really have any other options this week, so how much to take a dose of calomel? Just a single dose? One dose. Are people going to be hunting for my poops years later? (laughs) (laughs) This this was the one that was like 30% fatal to babies? Well, yeah, that was with, I think, repeated exposure. Right. And 
That was one in 500 babies contracted this disease. Also, you're not a baby. <laughs> I feel like one dose isn't going to do much yeah. in the long run. It's, I don't want to create three pints of saliva. <laughs> <laughs> so get your bib. How many pints he was collecting of poo? It, I mean, it sounds like it'd be a little miserable for a while, but just the one dose I don't think is going to be that big a deal. Yeah, I think for you can probably anticipate for the next six months or so, you'll be a little depressed. Uh, maybe your speech will be a little bit slurred and you'll have trouble sleeping. Just from one dose, six months? Uh, yeah, well, the... Uh, for this exercise, I don't actually know how long it takes. So for this exercise, we'll say it's around six months. Yeah, that's more than I was thinking. Then give me a thousand. Give me six thousand dollars. <laughs> One for every month. Yep. Then I can say I was pretending to be Lewis and Clark. <laughs> what? Why? Because they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Lewis and Clark? No, I like Lewis and Clark a little bit. <laughs> I was both of them. I carried myself off into the sunset. <laughs> I mean, with the way that Dean Cain's been acting, he probably has been taking mercury. So, <laughs> uh, I probably go like ten thousand. Yeah, like, I, I thought I was going to go cheaper, but six months of misery is kind of a long time. I don't like to be sad. Yeah, yeah. I want some time off work for this. So, six months off work, and then we'll double it for the pooping. <laughs> The pooping, the, probably, the, the pooping and the drooling will probably not last more than a day. Oh, no, I'm just doubling it because I don't want to do that at all. Um, Let's get a whole month's worth of pooping done in one day. <laughs> we're going to say <laughs> um, 24000 24000 See, I'm kind of in the opposite boat. I don't think I want to take time off work just because I feel like if I'm depressed, sitting at home would be mm. a bad place to be. I won't take time off while I'm sad. I'll uh, take it after I'm feeling better. Okay. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah, I think I'll still go to work just to be doing something. So, yeah. Can I beat 6000 uh, I don't think so. I think I'll have to go with Adam. 10000 I'll probably do it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for this week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks to my co-hosts for joining me today. Thanks to Gerard, our awesome editor. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's episode, check out our website at acidpoppodcast.podbean.com. You can join us on our subreddit, Acid Pop Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast for updates almost every month. Or you can send us an email at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>